Mariah Brown is a Yale-trained certified nurse midwife. She has been attending births for 20 years, managed women's health clinics in Hawaii and Oregon for 13 years, taught at the Chinese Medicine College, and is currently pursuing her certification through the Institute of Functional Medicine. In this episode, we get into estrogen dominance, PCOS, thyroid issues, hormones, energy, perimenopause, adrenals, gut health, and so much more. You're going to really enjoy this one. Welcome to the Kaka TV podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Mariah. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. It's nice to finally also meet you after little bits of email correspondence here and there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So you have worked with women for 21 years. Tell us a bit about your work and how and why you decided you wanted to be a women's health coach. Yeah, sure. So I was originally in the corporate world, actually, and um, with a Fortune 500 living in Los Angeles and like business suits and stilettos and airplanes and that kind of thing. And my best friend from high school asked me to be at her birth. And it was one of those experiences, you know, when you think, oh, that changed my life and the birds were twirting, tweeting and the stars were shining. And I just knew that I was home. And that's all I could really say. And then fast forward. A couple years later, it was still churning and I had become a doula and I was volunteering at UCLA Santa Monica and starting to attend births and then uh, took a trip down to Peru and hiked the Inca Trail up to Machu Picchu. And it was on the fourth day of the hike that I just decided, you know, this is a calling for me and I have to do this. So I came back and uh, prepped to apply to grad schools, took my GREs, quit my job became a nanny and a waitress on Hollywood Boulevard, (laughs) and then took off for a one-year around-the-world trip. And while I was out there in the world, I had an opportunity to volunteer with midwives in all different capacities. And I was accepted at Yale to become a certified nurse midwife. So I did their nurse practitioner program. And that was the beginning of the trajectory into women's health. So attending births for now 21 years working as a nurse practitioner running women's health in various capacities since 2007, uh, doing international health projects, which have been really fun in Central America and Haiti. And and then for the last six years, doing a deep dive into the Institute of Functional Medicine, partially because I became a mom and my own thyroid and adrenals crashed after number two. And I had to do a deep dive into what in the heck do I do? to um, heal my own ailments. And medicine was not necessarily my first choice. I really believe food is medicine and lifestyle is medicine and mindset is medicine. And then I moved into the virtual realm where Beyond the Red Tent was birthed. It was not necessarily a premeditated thing. And that grew to 14,000 women in a year's time. And I thought, this is really fun. I love having the opportunity to work with women all over the world and bring all of my background 
to one place and support women along their women's health journey. And so now I'm all online and I say I'm a women's health coach. I don't even, maybe I'm a women's health provider or a consult or a mentor. It's kind of all of it. And I get to the opportunity to work with women all over the world as a mentor to help them along their journey of their energy, their hormones, their libido, their passion, their zest. It's really fun, awesome work. So let's start with energy. So you've mentioned before that you work with women and their energy, hormones, libido. What are a few quick tips for women on each of these topics? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think when this is airing, this is actually perfect timing because I'm doing an online free workshop kind of really diving into this. But the energy conversation, the couple tips that I would say, number one, we know these things, we just often don't do them. So hydrate. Hydrate well, hydrate your brain, hydrate your your the, what needs to to move and groove and and detoxify in your body, right? Ensure that you're having BMs, meaning bowel movements. Let's just get real. If if you're not having at least one every day, that means that there's a lot that's sluggish and toxins are being reabsorbed, and that will feed the exhaustion. And the last thing is do what you love to do. Um, I'm a big advocate of Zone of Genius, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks, for women to really look themselves in the mirror and say, what is it that I love to do? And am I prioritizing that? We as women perpetually give to everyone around us. We're caring for many, the community, our family, our friends, our children, our household. And we often forget to care for ourselves. And so I'm a big advocate of actually putting on our own oxygen mask first and trusting that rest is not earned, it's required. And just because I'm not scheduled does not mean I'm available. So to really give women the permission to prioritize themselves and filling up their own cup. So let's talk a little bit about the thyroid. So myself, suddenly I became slightly hypothyroid, functionally hypothyroid, let's say at the start of the pandemic, probably from the stress or whatever. And I have thyroid nodules and I'm telling my friends this and they're all like, oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, I have that too. Everybody has that. Mm -hmm. So what is going on? Why are thyroid issues so common in women nowadays? Yes, yes. And they really are. I mean, it's a, it's spectacular how common they are. And I think they're actually even more common than we think. So levothyroxine, which is the synthetic pharmaceutical version of thyroid meds or thyroid hormone, is the most prescribed medication in the United States for women. And most often you'll go to your provider and they'll order what's called a TSH with a reflex T4. And you don't need to know what that is, but just know that it's incomplete and labs most of them, the range that they give for what's considered normal in the thyroid world is way too broad. And so even if you're listening to this and you're having symptoms that you think might be related to thyroid, such as constipation, low energy, depression, um, feeling sluggish, weight gain, aches and pains in your body, losing the outside of your eyebrows, um, strange rashes, um, feeling just kind of like there's a veil between you and your zest for life. I mean, there's so many of these things. Um, just feeling so tired all the time. And no matter how much you sleep, you're still not waking up feeling rested. 
and you've gone to your provider and they've said, oh, no, your thyroid's normal. Well, is your TSH really normal? That's your thyroid stimulating hormone. I wanted to see, I want to see it between one and two. Okay. So often what will happen is it's outside of that narrow range, but it's within the, what the lab considers normal. So I just want to say that out loud. Now, the reason why, I think there's a few things going on. One is stress. Two is we're not speaking through our voice and not speaking our truth. And three is toxic load. Okay. So let's first start with um, stress. There's something called the HPA axis, which stands for the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and the adrenals. Many of us have heard of the adrenals. The adrenals are what produce cortisol. That's the fight, flight, or freeze response, right? That's the stress response. I'm being chased by a wildebeest. I need to run fast, right? But the thing is, is we're under stress all the time from the air we're breathing, the water we're drinking, and toxic load from this last year. Um, fear of getting sick, fear of someone we love getting sick, fear of going outside and feeling judged or misunderstood in regard to political conflict or wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. I mean, there's so many things that we deal with. For mothers out there that are listening, we uh, take on the responsibility of worrying about our children, worrying about their safety and that constant angst that could be conscious or subconscious is is like hammering out stress onto the adrenals, right? Something as simple as having the news playing in the background, watching a scary movie. And so the reason I bring up the HPA axis is it's the pituitary that communicates with the thyroid, okay? So the thyroid is drastically impacted in relationship to these other things as well as our gut health. So if we're under a lot of stress and our adrenals are tired, then our thyroid gets tired. And the communication pathways between the HPA axis and the thyroid, and once again, I mentioned gut because that is the hub of it all, and it's communicating with everything, then the thyroid gets a little bit off. Then I mentioned speaking your truth. The thyroid exists in your throat, kind of like back behind your Adam's apple. And I believe a lot in energy, mindset, chakras, however you want to, whatever word resonates with you. And that's the place of speaking our truth. So if there is clogged energy, if there is a lack of flow in really speaking um, what is true to you, um, speaking for your needs, speaking up for yourself, um, feeling safe to say what you really think and feel, um, being able to communicate your needs, if that's not happening, it's blocking the energetic flow. And so now the thyroid gets stagnant or stuck. And so I think there's a lot, particularly with women around this topic. And I think that that's part of why there's so much hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's or Graves or subclinical thyroiditis, postpartum thyroiditis. I mean, it just is rampant. And the last thing I mentioned is toxic load. The thyroid is a very absorbent organ, okay? So there's a lot of controversy around iodine. Some say, add more iodine. Some say, no, we have too much iodine. I feel like my theories don't do anything right now. We're in the iodine conversation because every expert that I trust seems to be having very different opinions. So I'm on the fence there. But what I do know is that it's very absorbent. Newborn babies, when they have tested cord blood of newborn babies, they've found more than 250 toxic chemicals 
in the blood from the cord of a baby that's just born. Like that's crazy to think that a baby who's just out of the womb, they cut the cord, they collect some blood from that from that cord and they're finding more than 250 toxic chemicals, okay? The environment that we are living is simply more toxic. And so if we're living in that toxic world, the water we're drinking, the air we're breathing, the stuff that's sprayed on our pesticides, the grass that the animals are eating that we're then ingesting the animals. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Our body is absorbing that as endocrine disruptors. Uh, It's throwing off our hormonal balance and our thyroid is absorbing it, particularly fluoride. That's one of those that is actually, you know, most dentists will encourage that we add fluoride because it's supposed to be good for our dentition but it actually is a toxic chemical for our thyroid. And many of us live in towns where our water is fortified with fluoride and we're brushing with fluoride toothpaste. So, you know, some some simple things that you can do are focus on your adrenals and your stress reduction, right? Go out in nature, make sure you set boundaries and say no to things. Off camera, we were talking about turning notifications off. Give yourself the permission to say no to things. And then also eat a predominantly plant-based diet, work on getting those toxic chemicals as best you can out and maybe take fluoride out and then speak your truth. So I know after like, say you have a sugary meal, we can feel tired, but other than blood sugar, how can our gut health affect exhaustion? Mm, Good question. I don't know if I came up with that question or you did, but it's a good question. (laughs) Gut health, I mean, here's the deal. We've got two brains. You have the brain that's up in your head and you have a brain that's down in your gut, okay? 70% of your immune system exists in your gut, okay? The majority of the serotonin that is produced is comes from your gut. If you're going, what's serotonin? Serotonin is the feel-good, feel-happy hormone, okay? So our gut lining and our microbiome is so vital. I'm, I'm sure by this point, most of us have heard of the microbiome, but just know that we are only 10% human cells. We are 90% our microbiome. And the gut lining is, a, is the place where one, it's going to dictate if we're actually absorbing the nutrients from the food that you're eating. So if you're spending all this time eating a plant-based organic diet and you've cut out gluten and dairy and sugar and alcohol, and yet there's something going on in your microbiome and your gut has a dysbiosis or a leaky gut, and you're not absorbing the amazing nutrients from the food that you're eating, we've got a problem. And that's going to actually make you feel tired. It might also lead to brain fog and lack of clarity and aches and pains in your body. And so, and then the same with the immune system. If you're one of those people where you're feeling sluggish and you're always kind of like on the brink of almost feeling like you're about to get sick and it's that kind of tired, well, let's go back to your gut. Once again, 70% of the immune system lives in the gut. And you go back to the conversation around the adrenals. Remember the HPA axis and the adrenals being the the place of fight, flight, or freeze. When you are in a scenario where the body thinks it's being chased by a lion, obviously today we're not being chased by lions, but maybe you're looking at your checking account and you're going, oh crap, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. Okay. What happens hormonally in the body is exactly the same as if you're being chased by a lion. And what are those things? 
one of the things, and I'm bringing this up now in the context of gut health, is if you need to run from a lion, you need to run fast. You need to flee, right? Or you need to fight, or you need to be able to freeze and be really still, okay? So blood flow goes to the extremities, your heart rate goes up. You know, if, if you're really stressed and your palms sweat, or if you're watching a scary movie and your palms sweat, or you think you're getting pulled over by a cop and your palms sweat, that's your adrenal response. So your gut health, your gut digestion shuts off because the body goes, okay, wait a minute. If I'm in survival, do I really need to worry about digesting that great hamburger that I just ate? No. I'm either going to be killed by this lion, I've got about a minute to figure it out or not, okay? So your immune system is shut up, shut off, your digestion is shut off, your hormone production is shut off, and your clarity of thinking is shut off. So in the gut health conversation, if you're exhausted and you think it might be going back to the gut, is there a dysbiosis? Is your stress too high and your body's literally shutting off your digestion because it's in survival? And it all ties together. And that's kind of the functional medicine approach is it's not just, oh, let's put you on a probiotic. Well, yes, I'm going to say eat probiotic rich foods and eat prebiotic rich foods and, and take out those things that are really wreaking havoc on the gut. But also we can't just focus on one thing. It all ties together and it all has a relationship with one another. So when you talk about the autonomic nervous system and shutting off flight or flight response, what are some good techniques, maybe like stress relieving techniques to help like shut it off or just lower the response and get back to normal? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, once again, I think a lot of us know these things. So it's not, I want to answer this question in two parts. It's not just what do we do? But how do we actually motivate ourselves to do it and to do it on a regular basis? Okay, so we know a lot of this stuff. You can um, take a deep breath, put your hand on your chest and go to your breath, right? So we want to get into the parasympathetic nervous system. We want to help the body go, okay, wait a minute. I'm not actually being chased by a lion, okay? Maybe once again, I'm looking at my checking account and I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month, but really I'm not going to be eaten. I'm okay. So just put your hand on your chest and go, I'm safe. I'm safe. Okay. Tapping is one. If you're familiar with emotional freedom technique, box breathing is one. If you're familiar with that, four seconds in, hold for four, four seconds out, hold for four. These are things that you can do no matter where you are. You don't have to get into some crazy yoga pose and do lion's breathing and all these things out in public. You can just literally calm your own nervous system by doing box breathing by putting your hand on your chest and saying, I'm safe. Um, other than that, time in nature is really valuable. And if you can handle the temperature based on wherever you are and when you're listening to this, barefoot walking is valuable. Get your feet on the dirt, get your feet on the earth, allow your body to absorb those minerals and also ground to the earth. There's a, a Japanese forest bathing is Shinrin, Shinrin-yoku. So they actually have studied the value of forest bathing and what that can do for our well-being. I'm a big advocate of adaptogens and drinking adaptogen elixirs on a daily basis. So you're welcome to grab my free adaptogen elixirs over on my website, mariahbrown.com. Drink those, drink them every day. I'm sitting here drinking mine as we're talking. Adaptogens 
help the body better adapt to stress. And they all come from the plant mushroom herb kingdom. And when you mix that in with a quality protein, a quality fat, and you make a little elixir that's caffeine free, it becomes your hot beverage in the morning so that you can feel the feeling of the cup in your hand and the soothing heat if that's one of the things that you enjoy. And oh, by the way, it's also helping your body better adapt to stress with um, addressing your immune system, your stress response, your anxiety, your sleep, all of that. I mean, I could keep going on and on, but I think that's enough for now. So let's go into hormones, which is one of my favorite topics. So what are some of the big ones that women might want to know about and where should we go to get an accurate picture of our hormone levels? Because we know like going to your regular doctor sometimes can be, you're not going to get much from them. Yeah. So there's lots of hormones. So you've probably heard of estrogen and progesterone and testosterone and Maybe you've heard of cortisol and thyroid hormone or ghrelin and leptin. I mean, there's so many of them. I don't really, they're all important and they're important for different reasons and they're important at different chapters of your life. Yeah. If you're a woman who's in the chapter of perimenopause between like 35 and 55 and you're noticing new irritability creeping in, new anxiety maybe little bits of hot flashes, maybe some vaginal dryness, maybe some shift in your libido, maybe strange cravings, new weight gain. That's like, I'm doing all the things I've always done. And now all of a sudden there's this new weight creeping in. Then progesterone is one that's really important for you as well as cortisol and oxytocin. So, you know, oxytocin is the hormone that's important for all of us. That's the hormone of ecstasy, of orgasm. Uh, it's at the highest in any woman's life when she's giving birth. And then if you're, you know, between 25 and 35, and maybe you're concerned about PCOS or your menstrual cycle is irregular, well, then we're really talking about more of the androgens. That's testosterone and DHEA, as well as estrogen and progesterone. I mean, there's a lot of them. Regarding testing, don't go to your provider and go get a blood test for your hormones. It's really kind of a waste of your time, in my opinion. Uh, the Dutch test, I think, is the best one on the marketplace. Uh, you can just go to dutch.com. You do not actually have to have a provider that orders it for you. You can order it for yourself. And you're welcome to put in BTRT and you can get $100 off. There's a, a coupon code, BTRT, which is beyond the red tent. And so that's going to collect your urine. So it's it's looking at dried urine. And then depending on what test you grab, you might also uh, collect some saliva. And that's a really lovely snapshot into where are your hormones right now. And that's your sex hormones as well as your hormones of the adrenals. And also looking at what's called methylation, which is how your body is metabolizing and detoxifying. And it also looks at what's called downstream metabolites. And what that means is, let's talk about estrogen as an example. We all have estrogen and the body is constantly circulating, okay? Metabolizing, excreting estrogen and then making more and then we're exposed to more and, and the body is metabolizing and excreting that. And depending on which pathway that estrogen is being excreted out through, can really make a big difference. So for instance, the OH4 pathway, we know has a much higher chance of a woman developing breast cancer 
um, or estrogen dominant cancers really suffering from more of the yucky stuff around estrogen dominance. So it's not just where are your hormones right now, but how are they being metabolized and excreted out of the body? And so I love the Dutch test. The other test that is one of my favorites is by a company out of Canada and it's called the DNA company. And they're looking at your genetic predisposition towards certain hormonal makeups. So we talked a little bit about PCOS off camera. If you want to see if maybe you have a genetic predisposition towards androgen dominance and a likelihood of developing PCOS, the DNA company has a great hormone panel. It's very patient friendly. And then you can take that. And then they also make recommendations with diet, lifestyle, supplementation to shift the genome, meaning how your genes are expressed, right? Because just because we got our DNA from our mom and a dad definitely does not mean that that dictates what's going to happen in our life. A large part of that is based on how we're living our life. So just because your mom and dad both had high cholesterol or cancer or anxiety does not necessarily mean that you're going to develop it if you choose to live a different lifestyle than your parents did. And that's diet, that's um, supplementation. That's also how you're choosing to live and breathe and move and think. So I had the Dutch test done a few times and I thought it was very interesting because I don't know what the pathways are called or anything, but I know that, you know, the one that causes like the cancers and the estrogen dominant cancers, it doesn't go that way. It goes more towards the osteoporosis side. So they're like, hmm, if you change this, you'll just, you know, get more cancer. So just leave it how it is. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Because, you know, there's always something bad that happens. Another thing I noticed was it tells you like if you're – if it's down the DHT, if your DHT is going to be high, like the male pattern baldness and all that stuff, if you're going to get that. And I was taking it because they're like, oh, you have a little bit of thinning. But then I saw my Dutch test and they're like, no, you yours is very low. You don't – there's no high DHT – possible with yours. So it's like, okay, I can eliminate that supplement completely. So the Dutch test, I always recommend people because if you don't take it, you're really shooting in the dark. You're just looking at symptoms and so many symptoms overlap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's two ways to go about it. Often I'll work with women for the first couple months. I mean, depending on how much you like quantifiable numbers, I absolutely agree. If you're going to, if you want to look at the quantifiables, The Dutch test is hands down the best. And I love the DNA company test too. And sometimes I think you can actually tell a lot by a woman's symptoms and knowing how much everything is interconnected. There's a lot of foundational change that a woman can start with without spending the extra five or $600 on the Dutch test. But then when it comes to specialized supplementation and really fine-tuning and tweaking for a specific woman's composition, if they want to do the test and they want quantifiable numbers, the Dutch test is hands down the best. So often I'll work with women for the first couple months, just getting the foundation in place. And then we'll do a Dutch test and maybe a DNA company test and look at some comprehensive thyroid labs and all of that. And then we get to really hone in with more specificity for that woman. And here's the deal. There's no one way for anyone. I mean, I think 
for for one woman, they she might not want to do a Dutch test at all, and that's okay. We can work around that. And for another, she wants the Dutch test at the very beginning to start with the quantifiables. And a lot of that has to do with personality and time and money and desire and how much time and energy and commitment they're really going to put in. Can you tell um, if someone is estrogen dominant or maybe they have high testosterone or anything like that just by body type? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in general, let me kind of like some things when I think of, I love airports. I love sitting and just watching people. So in general, estrogen dominance, the things that I will hear from women, um, well, first I'll see in women is generally you're going to carry more weight around your hips and your thighs. Okay. A woman who has testosterone dominance is more likely to carry a little bit more weight around her abdomen. Um, she'll also be kind of strong, more muscular in nature, a little bit more firm muscle tone. A woman who suffers from testosterone dominance that's that's too much, she might have excess hair growth, so a little bit on her mustache, a little bit of extra hairs along the chin line, maybe some cystic acne, specifically around the chin line. If I'm doing a physical exam, there might be extra hairs around her nipples or on her abdomen. Often women who have androgen dominance or testosterone dominance, they won't talk about it, but they're plucking, they're shaving, they're waxing their face. There's also um, sometimes some um, darker pigmentation on the neck or underneath the armpits, maybe even in the inner thighs. That can either be blood sugar dysregulation, so maybe um, something going on with um, kind of like prediabetes or testosterone. Also on the estrogen conversation, a woman is going to be complaining of really heavy, really painful periods, maybe uh, pronounced PMS, increased irritability. Um, and just crabbiness, particularly during that week four PMS week. She'll have fibrocystic breasts. Um, she's maybe been told she has uterine fibroids. She'll have uh, more likely to have breast tenderness, uh, obviously higher risk of estrogen-dependent cancers. And then the other thing with testosterone is sometimes, like you mentioned, the hair thing, Uh some women will start suffering from like male hair balding. So starting to lose a little bit of hair right at the hairline uh, on your forehead. I had a dream last night that I was balding on the top of my head and I shaved it. That was a very odd dream. <laughs> uh, does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Growing up, I remember I was very fit, extra strong. I remember my metabolism was like crazy high. Yeah. I could eat whatever. I would eat a loaf of bread a day. And then I, my friends who were like barely eating would be like, why can't I lose the weight? Like what is going on? I hardly eat. And I'm just like, well, just eat one loaf a day. Don't eat two because I'm so stupid. I had no idea right. like how different metabolisms could be. And then of course, when I got older, everything changed. And then like, I can't even look at bread. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like such a difference. And going back to body type, very muscular, but I always had like a butt. And then after the baby, the thighs and the butt kept going and they kept going and like they're much bigger now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I noticed a change. I became more estrogen dominant after having a child. And I noticed that with a lot of my friends, especially my friends that were always in shape always skinny. They have their child and then everything expands and it just kind of like their whole way 
that they um, hold their weight completely shifts. Isn't it fascinating to see, you know, and there's so many different factors. Yes, there's shifts in hormones. There's also, we can impact our estrogen level by how we exist in the world. So when we start becoming um, uh, a mother and we step into the role of being more maternal, inevitably that is a more feminine role. And inevitably there is a little bit of increase in estrogen. And there is also in that same chapter, uh, often a shift in our libido. Now, part of that is because of the prolactin from breastfeeding. But I think if we back up and just honor that there are chapters in women's lives, there is, if you choose to become a mother, there's the chapter of pregnancy. There's the chapter of, of being in the post, postpartum period. There's the chapter of perimenopause that a lot of women don't even really think about in advance, but it is a chapter. And it is a long extended chapter. It's kind of like the new version of puberty, but it just lasts a lot longer. And we're going, what is going on? And then there's the chapter of menopause. I, I, at least for the women that I work with, I think it's really important that we don't expect ourselves to always be the same. Women, we are ever-changing beings. We are so dynamic. Who we are in our physiological makeup when we're in our ovulatory week versus when we're in our PMS week versus bleeding is totally different. We can't expect ourselves to have the same energy level, have the same desire for socialization, have the same desire for sexual activity, um, want to engage in work in the same way. It's just not realistic. So now here we are, we're being mothers and we're also out in the workforce. We're not meant to do the nine to five same job every day. So that's like kind of bringing the microscope in on a daily, daily, weekly, monthly basis, but then break, take it out to what chapter in my life am I in? Am I in puberty? Am, am I in the childbearing years, the perimenopause, postpartum menopausal years? And we can't expect ourselves to be performing the same way, thinking the same way, looking the same way, desiring the same things. We're different human beings. And our role in the family dynamic is different. Our role in society is different. And it's beautiful. You know, I believe it's, it's women that keep a society loving and connected and, and high and strong, especially when we give ourselves permission to fully express who we are right now in this chapter, knowing that that's going to change. Going back to estrogen dominance. What are some reasons why women are getting estrogen dominant and what can they do to lower their estrogen load? Yeah. So two things. Number one is take out endocrine disruptors. And I'll talk a little bit about what that is. And then the second thing is bring our progesterone up. <laughs> so sometimes you might be estrogen dominant and it will show up as high estrogen. In other scenarios, your estrogen level might actually be normal or even low. But in relationship to the progesterone, there's a big gap. And so helping to bring our progesterone levels up has a lot of value. So I mentioned endocrine disruptors, also known as xenoestrogens. What are examples? Plastics, right? We've all been told we need to get make sure BPA plastics. I would say just take plastic out completely. Beauty care products, all of the things that we're putting on our skin and our hair and our makeup, you would not believe how many chemicals are in those products. And what happens is they go into the body and the body actually sees them as hormones. 
And then the body's like, oh, no, I already have that hormone. I'm all, I'm all good. I don't have to produce it. And so it throws our hormonal makeup off and often increases our estrogen. Um, it shows up, we're exposed to endocrine disruptors. I mentioned the air we breathe, the water we drink. So if we're not filtering our water, we're not, we don't have air filters in our home. Um, laundry detergents, cleaning products. I mean, it's really, there's, it, you could go on a deep dive. In, in my online program, we do a deep dive into endocrine disruptors and really helping women kind of systematically clean up what we're being exposed to. But, I, you know, it's, it's what you put on your skin. It's what you smell. It's what you eat. And it's all important. And then bringing up your progesterone. I mean, obviously there's, well, the, the other thing I want to say about estrogen is I want to talk about phytoestrogens. Oh yes. Yay or nay, because the big debate, flaxseeds, good, flaxseeds, bad. It drives me crazy. Yeah. No, my, I, I feel very clear on this one. Phytoestrogens are good for pretty much everyone. Okay. So phyto meaning plant estrogens, it's not like you're going on the birth control pill or you're taking hormone replacement therapy, which I'm not a big fan of the pill. I'm not a big fan of hormone replacement therapy. There's no one way for everybody, but I, it's really important that women fully understand the detriment that can happen when they're adding those synthetic hormones in. Phytoestrogens are a little bit different. So that's your ground flax. That's your quality soy, primrose oil, red clover. Um, red raspberry, those are some of them. They go in and they actually help combat the yucky estrogens and help you better maintain a healthy uh, hormonal makeup. I will never forget when I did the Institute of Functional Medicine Hormone Module, which is, you know, like a four day conference. I think every single speaker stood up there talking about the value of phytoestrogens. So, ground flax, absolutely. Um, add it, add it every day, make sure it's organic, keep it in the fridge. Soy, I'm actually a yes for soy, as long as it's organic and it's non-GMO. If you're on thyroid meds, you want to separate it out four hours um, because it does have some effect on thyroid. And once again, there's no one way for everybody, but I think that having quality soy, there's a reason why in general, women in, Jap in Japan versus in the U.S. have such totally different experiences of menopause. I think if a lot of it has to do with the quality soy that they're ingesting. So bringing in your quality phytoestrogens has a lot of value in the estrogen conversation. And then progesterone, we want to bring our progesterone up. So cinnamon and ginger are two things that really help elevate progesterone, um, wild yam cream. If you're working with a provider, some supplements that you can consider, um, DIM is one to help get out the excess estrogen. Vitex or chased tree berry is one to help increase the progesterone. But that's one, if you're going to consider those routes, you really need to be working with, with either a women's health coach or a women's health provider, someone where you have support and you really understand what these are. And it needs to be a commitment of at least three months. It's not like a lot of this stuff, you're not going to just try it for a week and go, oh, I either feel different or don't feel different, right? This is try it for three, four, six, nine months, and then make a decision about whether or not this is working for your body. And what are your thoughts on taking maca? Yeah. So maca powder is a great phytoest um, antioxidant. It also is good at increasing testosterone levels. So if you're someone who is tired, you're not putting on great muscle weight, you have a low libido, 
maca is great. You can add it into your adaptogen elixirs. You can add it into your smoothies. But if you have PCOS or if you have been told that you have androgen dominance, whether that's testosterone or DHEA, um, then maca is is a no-go because it's going to increase your testosterone. And if you already have too much testosterone, we don't want extra maca. Oh, that's interesting because I was told the opposite. I took maca for about six months and I have extremely high testosterone, but then my my estrogen is like through the roof, like 3,000 times more. And then my, my DHEA is like super high too. And my progesterone was normal, but in comparison, it looks low. But they told me to take maca and Vitex. I took Hmm. maca for about six months and I didn't really have any symptoms or anything changing. And then afterwards, I felt really good. After I stopped taking the maca, I felt better than before I started taking it, which was weird. And the Vitex, I had to stop it after like three months because it was making me so irregular and cranky. I have no idea. Like (laughs) everybody says different things, so I get so confused. But um, yeah, I think you really need to work with someone because maybe you have to keep changing stuff. Yeah. And I just, you're right. There are a bazillion experts out in the world and it's hard to sift through and, you know, this is the greatest supplement and this is the greatest way. And now we're going to do keto and now we're going to do paleo and now we're going to do intermittent fasting and it's a lot to sift through. And so first of all, always check in with your own intuition. You're your own best self-advocate. And if you really quiet down Often we actually know what's best for ourselves. And like you said, choose someone that you're going to choose to love, trust, and respect and stick with them. My preference is for at least a year. And I know that feels overwhelming because we're accustomed to quick fixes. Like, wait a minute, I take an antibiotic and I'm feeling better in a couple of days. I take an ibuprofen and I'm better in a half an hour. So this is a very different approach. This is foundational healing, not a band-aid approach, but actually shifting the foundational cause of whatever is ailing you today for the sake of a new lifestyle a year from now, a decade from now. And so in your scenario, Kat, right? I would say um, if you already had high testosterone, I would absolutely not have put you on maca and I don't want to leave you in a place of confusion, but no, if you have testosterone dominance, maca is not the right thing if, if you're working with me. And regarding Vitex, it is a very powerful plant. I have deep respect and reverence for it. And it can definitely throw off menstrual cycles. Same with wild yam cream. And so for in some scenarios, you don't take it throughout the entire month. You're only taking it a certain time in your menstrual cycle and you're tracking and um, adjusting the dose. But once again, that's with a provider that you trust and respect and you're sticking with them for, in my ideal, a year's time. And just good luck to everyone. You know, hopefully you find the right person and give it a year with that person and see if that person's able to really help you create transformation in a positive way. And if not, then also be willing to take a, a detour and go, you know what? It's been a year I don't think this is working. I'm going to try a different route. So going back to estrogen dominance, because I keep hearing that the livers are overwhelmed. Do you recommend a liver detox or what should we be doing to help our livers? Yes. Okay. The liver is an amazing organ. You know, it has 500 things that it does each day and it can regenerate itself. 
you can cut a chunk of the liver off and it's just like, all right, whatever, I'll just regrow. And um, so it's filtering everything that we're exposed to, everything that we're eating. And um, it's a really lovely, lovely thing. And so, yes, in the realm of estrogen dominance, we need to take good care of our liver. Regarding cleanses and diets, I'm actually not a real big fan of doing specific cleanses or diets unless, once again, you're really doing it in collaboration with a provider. Sometimes you can do a cleanse and you think you're doing your body a great job, but what's happening is the toxins are being released from the cell and now they're just roaming around the body wreaking havoc. So um, it needs to be the right type of cleanse if you're going to do it. And we need to not only release the toxins, but then also ensure the body has what it needs to then get the toxins out of the body. Oh my God, I have so much to say about that, but I'm, I'm not going to go there because that would probably take too much time. Uh, ways to support your liver, cut your alcohol out. That's a simple one. And then bitters, all your, your bitter foods, your arugula, your dandelion root, your milk thistle, you can get liver support bitters that you just add in um, and eating your cruciferous veggies is also going to help in um, the liver doing a better job at being able to detoxify and methylate so that the excess estrogen is actually getting out of the body. What can women do specifically about PCOS and the high androgens? How can we lower the androgens? Mm -hmm. Yep. Obviously, like things like what we've already talked about, cut maca out if you're adding maca. No, 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 no. Um, I want to start with behavioral shifts. Okay. So once again, our actions can impact our hormones. And so one of the things that's so awesome is women are doing really powerful things out in the world. I mean, I run three businesses and I have three little kids and I'm really proud of what I do out in the world. I think what's happening is in some scenarios, we're doing it in a more masculine way and we're not allowing ourselves to ask for help and we're not allowing ourselves to be feminine in whatever feminine is for you. For you, for me, I think about allowing softness and surrender and allowing our how we exist in the world and how we do our work to be different based on where we are in our monthly infradian rhythm. And so simply making shifts there can actually address our testosterone levels. Okay. From a DHEA perspective, which is the adrenal side of the androgens, once again, giving our adrenals lots of support um, in all the ways that I've talked about. From a supplemental standpoint, I think the one that I'll say is DIM. I already mentioned that it's D-I-M. What DIM is, is just a bunch of cruciferous veggies concentrated down, and it's known to really help the body kind of get out that excess testosterone. You can also just eat a lot of cruciferous veggies, your broccoli, your cauliflower, your kale. And then with PCOS specifically, it's not just the androgen dominance, but it's also blood sugar dysregulation. So making sure that you're getting quality protein and fat within 30 to 60 minutes of waking, really watching your sugar intake, and that's also simple carbohydrates, and making sure that you're not skipping meals. So keeping blood sugars super steady throughout the day. Um, I could say so much more, but I'll stop there. And how do we know if we are becoming perimenopausal? Is there any signs and symptoms we should be looking out for? Yeah, sure. 
So average age of perimenopause, well, often can start as early as 35, which feels very young. We're like, wait, 35? That's nowhere near menopause. Average age of menopause is 51. So like I said, perimenopause can be this long, drawn out, kind of vague thing. And so maybe all of a sudden your menstrual cycle is just shifting. It's a little bit more irregular and you're like, wait a minute, this is kind of strange. Or all of a sudden you're having a little bit more pronounced irritability, like that your patience with your children or your friends your, is, is off. You're taking things a little bit more personal. You're becoming a little bit more strong, a little bit more unapologetic. That can sometimes be perimenopause. Hot, hot flashes can happen during perimenopause. Um, like I mentioned earlier, having a little bit of extra weight gain that historically all the things that you would do would take the extra weight off. And now all of a sudden that's not working, particularly around the abdomen. Sometimes there's a new pronounced exhaustion where you're going, gosh, I'm really tired and this is not necessarily me. Changes in sleep. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different things, but just know that if you're in that stage of you're between 35 and 55 and things feel like they're shifting, they are. And the way the pituitary is communicating with your ovaries is shifting and and the hormone the sex hormone production is starting to slow down and it's the adrenals for the most part that are taking the brunt of that and so a woman's experience of perimenopause is really impacted by what her stress level was leading up to when perimenopause started and how tired her adrenals are could women be entering perimenopause and feel better because I myself, I'm going to be 40 this year, and I just had my first late period ever, which was like really weird, and I felt great. Everything was awesome, and I had a really stressful event happen, and I was super chill, like unknowingly chill during it. So maybe since I had such a terrible, horrible time when I was younger with really painful periods, really long periods, really heavy periods, really irritable, like maybe since now they're lowering and becoming normal? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. You're also in the, in the phase of perimenopause, women start becoming a lot more unapologetic and they just stand a little bit more strongly. And this is who I am. It's that time where we're shifting from estradiol over to estrone, which is a different estrogen and it exists differently. We become a little bit more single-minded. We, it's kind of, in, for some women, it's the grieving of the f- fertility years. For other women, it's the celebration of, I'm done with that chapter of my life, and now here I am, hear me roar, and I get to be in my power moving forward. And often we kind of use that time, and we either consciously or unconsciously take an account of our life up till now. Did I do the things that I wanted to do? Am I happy with my life? Are there unresolved emotional baggage, right? And it sounds like in your scenario, you're really content with the life that you lived in your 20s and your 30s. And your adrenals have probably been given a good amount of love and support. And you're not grieving the loss of your fertility years. 
And you're very clear in being fully you unapologetically. Now, with a history of PCOS, the painful periods, um, maybe it was estrogen dominance, maybe it was the PCOS, there's so many different factors. And now you're shifting into a new body composition, and that could be shifting. And so once again, I don't think there's any one way for any one woman, we get to look at what is it for you? Definitely. I, f- I feel great now. And I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, I feel this. I feel that. I'm like, I always felt that. Now I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So what about uh, vaginal dryness? Because that can start happening perimenopausal and into menopause. What can women do to help prevent that? Yeah. So there's, I mean, obviously there's a few different things going on with vaginal health. Let's just, I'm going to get kind of graphic and kind of real here. So as women progress and for different women, it starts at different ages. There's some women, they never experience vaginal dryness at all. So there's vaginal dryness. There's also actual thinning of the tissue in the vaginal canal and the opening to the introitus actually starts closing in a little bit. We're on a podcast. I don't know if this is video too, but I'm showing my hands kind of closing in. And so for some women, they suffer from both. And so now all of a sudden they're experiencing vaginal dryness and a decrease in libido, which is then, and now, you know, it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And now sexual pleasure is really being decreased and sex becomes kind of painful and abrasive. And then on top of that, the, the, the skin on the vaginal lining and within the vaginal canal is thinning and becomes kind of friable, can sometimes crack sometimes even bleed and be painful. And then the opening starts closing in. So all of those things are things that some women experience to different degrees. I also have worked with women and they don't experience any of that. So what are some things that we can do about it? Number one is I want to really empower women to use a lot of lubrication. Okay. Here's the deal. Most women have orgasms through clitoral stimulation, not internal um, stimulation. And we can't expect our own bodies to produce all of the lubrication for both inside and outside. So allow it to be fun. Allow it to be playful. You don't have to buy special over-the-counter lubrications. Unless you're using condoms, then you do need to make sure that it's not oil-based. But if you're not using condoms currently, you can use jojoba oil. You can use coconut oil. You can use olive oil. You can, you know, there's some great ones out there. I love the O-Shot CBD um, lubricant. And I have a coupon code think it's BTRT as a coupon code and you get a discount, but I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. Giving your adrenals extra love and support is valuable. And then doing the thing. So I mentioned, I like to help women feel turned on by their life, their lover and themselves. And as we progress through life, what we're turned on by shifts and we need to feel fed and turned on, not just by our sexual relationship with our partner, but also by when we look in the mirror, who we see. And we need to feel turned on by the work that we're doing in the world. And a woman's erogenous zone is her entire body. And so if the libido is going down and there's vaginal dryness because you're feeling a lack of zest for the life that you're living, well, that can be addressed through all different ways. We can add more lubrication and we can do the adrenal support, okay? From the perspective of actual thinning of the skin and closing in of the introitus, look up vaginal biohacking. There are some really creative things that can be done. 
and in the with the women that I work with, I definitely work um, closely with with some women on this topic. And then in some scenarios, going to bioidentical hormones or body identical hormones has value. I mean, once again, there's no one way. I'm not saying I'm totally opposed to prescribing or for women going on prescriptions. I'm just saying let's start with diet and lifestyle and mindset and supplementation and see if that works. And if not, there's other resources out there. Let's talk a little bit about adrenal fatigue. I know you mentioned that there's some ways, you know, breath work and things like that. Are there any maybe supplements you can take other than adaptogens? Well, I mean, I think adaptogens are the place to start. And there's so many of them. I mean, there's so many different adaptogens. Maybe you've heard of cordyceps and lion's mane and ashwagandha and reishi and chaga and chatavari and dark chocolate and green tea and makuna. I mean, there's so many of them out there and they do different things. And so regarding supplementation specifically for adrenals, uh, I, I think starting with adaptogens is the place to start. Okay. And you mentioned green tea because I heard that if you have too much green tea, because I kind of went a little overboard with my matcha obsession, mm-hmm. it can affect your thyroid. Do you think that's a big problem for people? Well, in general, I think caffeine can affect the thyroid and affect the adrenals. So green tea, I, I, I'm really happy when I hear women um, having no caffeine in their body and allowing it to be an occasional really sweet treat and then being aware of how you feel for the next 48 hours and how it affects your mood and your sleep and your hydration and your brain clarity of thought and all of that stuff. Green tea is one of those that is such a great antioxidant. And it's ironic because green tea is one of those adaptogens that can actually sometimes help with sleep, but it's so counterintuitive because it has caffeine. Um, so if that's the scenario for you, I would say maybe instead of matcha, do a a decaf green tea. And so allow your body to have the benefits of all the antioxidants from the green tea, but without the caffeine and see if that makes much of a difference. Tell us a little bit about your programs. I know you have one, help women move from exhaustion to energize, balance their hormones and feel turned on by their life lover and themselves. And you have other offers. Can you tell us about all of them? Sure. Yeah. So a few things I want to mention. Yes, I have an online program where I help women move from exhausted to energized, balance their hormones and feel turned on by their life, their lover and themselves. And it's a deep dive into a lot of everything that we've talked about with a lot of accountability, a lot of support, self-paced modules, group dynamic, specialized hormone testing. Um, a lot of mindset support. It's a it's a spectacular, amazing, like definitely the most fun I've had in all of my 21 years working with women. If you're curious about that, where you start is you just go to mariahbrown.com, M-A-R-A-Y-A, mariahbrown.com, and click on get started. And I offer a free breakthrough call for anyone that is really serious and committed to addressing your journey once again, from diet, lifestyle, mindset, modification. And so I offer up a free breakthrough call. We get to sit down and go, all right, what's working? What's not working? What have you tried? I'm very select in who I work with. So I might offer you a spot to work with me. I might not. It's all good either way. But I promise I will offer some breakthrough in that call and I'll point you in the direction of solutions. So that's my love 
right now. The other free thing that you might want to start with, I talked a lot about adaptogens. When you go to mariahbrown.com, you'll see the pop-up, grab my free adaptogen elixir recipes and just play around with making those. When you look at the recipes, a lot of those are hyperlinks and there's coupon codes. So you get discount codes on various adaptogens and things and just play around. You can, you know, make it taste good to you and try different adaptogen elixirs and just drink them each morning. Try it for a month or two and see how it shifts, how you're feeling. And then the last thing is starting on May 24th, I'm doing a free online workshop. And so we're going to be doing this deep dive into the vibrancy code to really help women get clarity on what does that look like to increase your feelings of being vibrant and your feelings of feeling turned on by your life, your lover and yourself. And a lot of what we've talked about today I'm going to be going more deeply in. It's totally free. It's in the Facebook world. So you'll see it's on the Facebook group. And um, let's think we're recording this beforehand. And what I'll say out loud is two places that you can go to find that. One is when you're on mariahbrown.com. I'm sure I'll have some type of pop-up there. The other place is you can go over to the Facebook group, which is Women Rockin' Their Energy Hormones and Libido. And you said you were on Facebook, but what are your most um, active social media platforms? Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I'm not sure I love my answer yet. Facebook is the main place that I exist. So I have Beyond the Red Tent. That is an online group. You're welcome to join. Like I said, there's 14,000 women in there. It's a place where women can ask their questions, realize that you're not alone. And I vet experts and products and bring them to that group. Beyondtheredtent.com. There's a membership. We have a hormone and wellness summit. You're welcome to buy that and you can watch that at your own timing. And then you can follow me on my business page, Mariah Brown, and then my smaller Facebook group as well. I do have some presence on Instagram and uh, it could be stronger. And I have a Clubhouse membership, but as of the time that we're recording this, I still have not been on Clubhouse, but it's, you know, there's, here's the deal. I am a busy woman. I've, like I said, I run three businesses and they're growing. They're growing fast. I love what I do with women and, and it's working. And of course I want to reach more women. Of course I want more women to know about their options. And so in regard to social media, it's one of those places that I will perpetually be adding more content and value. And for now, Facebook is the best place to find me. Awesome. So thank you so much, Mariah, for being with us here today. And I will put everything in the show notes and everything else you send me, I'll put it in the show notes so everyone can check you out. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it. So go to feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5 for 15% off any of their single pack products. And definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen, you won't regret it. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. 
show your support by subscribing to the podcast, leave me a voicemail question, or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. This podcast is for informational merrymakings and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.